Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came home. Welcome to the show. And now, let me introduce Gene Galvin. Oh, Oh, man. Oh, man. Whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Boy, what a week this is. (laughs) (laughs) What else? That's my wife, Bonnie. Uh, uh, Jerry Springer. Oh, no. No, it's too late. Yeah, it's too late. Too late. Yeah. Don't try that. Where were you when I needed you? Yeah, I hear you. No, thank you. Welcome. And uh, do we have a show today? We got one. Hey, we're going to ask Jerry to talk a little bit later about uh, President Trump's meeting with Kim Jong Un in this big North Korea summit. And uh, we had a guy on a week ago named Bennett Wales, who has his he performs solo and sometimes performs also with his band called The Relief, and he's from Virginia Beach, and he's, uh, you know, touring around working these parts, and we uh, asked him if he would come back. He's that good, and he is, so we're going to hear from Bennett Whale a little bit later on. When I came in here, Jared was talking to David Pruce of Ambient Studio, and uh, he was telling me that uh, his brother, and by the way, Jim Pruce works with him on our podcast. These guys are great. you know, every, every night and I should throw a shout out for them. Uh, Ambient Studios is really a cool company. Yes. And I know our show is heard all over the country and they work the Cincinnati parts, but they're, uh, you know, if you need a good recording studio, keep those guys in mind. But they have another brother and this brother is down in Florida and he's kayaking. And yeah, we uh, all do in Florida. Well, l- listen, this relates this relates to you. David, what did your brother tell you? Yeah, he called yesterday on the phone, and he said they had a guided kayak tour. And then while they're out paddling, the guide points to a house on the shoreline, and he says, and right over there is where Jerry Springer lives. (laughs) Yes. My my brother was really surprised because the house was not that big. Whoa! (laughs) Whoa! Hey, he's just keeping it real. Man. He's just keeping it real. Man. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that is true. Number one, the house isn't that big. Oh, but, no, the house is wonderful. I have no, seen the house. No, but it's, uh, it's, I don't know if you were just joking, but on the tour boat that goes around He there, wasn't joking, by the way. No, he, really, he was at your house he was, yesterday. He was yeah, He, he <laughs> well, can tell you where the well, closets good. are on the first floor. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Did he know the cameras were on? <laughs> sure he did. Hey, wait a minute. Seriously, do, we you have, have a, do you have cameras? Well, wait, I, well, now you're going to say, you have to say you do, because if you yeah, say you don't, yeah. that wouldn't be it. Yeah, you have yeah. cameras all and, over the and place. And dogs you wouldn't believe. Oh, big dogs. And, <laughs> but anyway, the tour boat. And a moat. And a moat. <laughs> and, a moat. and you have a pool boy, I know, because I you did it for three summers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were our pool boy, Raul. <laughs> yeah. So what do the tour boats say when they well, come Well, they come, it, it, this is true. The tour boat comes by every several times a day, and they point out homes there, and then they point out... Because you can hear them probably on the loudspeaker on the boat. And it's, frankly, a a little bit annoying, because it takes away your privacy, you know, if we're sitting out by the pool or whatever, and and then people say, Jerry, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) You know, 
And sometimes I don't look that good in my bathing suit. <laughs> he said and, you were in your boxers getting a newspaper. Aha! Uh-huh. Well, that's... He's, uh, he's, he's a, a lonely a, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he's coming around in a kayak looking <laughs> yeah. at me in my boxers, <laughs> you got to talk to your brother. That's pretty pitiful. Yeah, but they do. Really? And then the house happens to be pink, and so they always say, you know, the pink house there. And yep. then they, they make up this story. This is true. This is not a joke. They say, the house is pink because we understand their daughter, and I won't give the name because, okay, Uh, but their daughter, that was her favorite color. (laughs) What? When we bought the house, it was pink. (laughs) And then sometimes they say, they moved, now she lives there. Not true. No, they make up these stories. They said Lucille Ball used to live at the end of the block. Not true. No. Fake news. It's fake. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm a part of fake news. Yeah. No, but they do that all the time, and and it's like... That would be annoying. Actually, it gets to be. (laughs) Really, just having there a nice, peaceful moment, and then you got to cover up and everything. I mean, good Lord. Pretty interesting. (laughs) Hey, by the way, uh, you're a sports fan. I'm a sports fan. Yes. And, in fact, I'll say this. There's nobody that I know and probably a few people around this country who know more about Major League Baseball in real time than you. You're a huge New York Yankees fan. Yes. And so you know, but you know more than that. This baseball is something that's really caught your interest from childhood, I I know. Yeah. Right? Yeah, as a Yankee fan, yes. And I uh, have a similar passion for college basketball. So I know a lot of stuff about it. I follow it. Yeah. so I was watching Netflix the other day. I used your password. Thank you, because I'm too cheap to buy it. Uh, anyway, so you have Netflix, and I imagine you have not seen a documentary. Netflix has good content. You do use Netflix for yes. a bunch of stuff, don't yeah, you? Yeah, we've seen some things. Yeah. So anyway, they have this show called, it's a documentary one hour long, called Concrete Football. And I watched it. My son urged me to watch it, my 41-year-old son. Concrete Football is about soccer in Paris and a little bit in Amsterdam, mainly Paris. So you know how in America we have, in the inner cities, basketball courts everywhere. Yeah, in the games, concrete schoolyards, and recreational, uh, you know, projects of the Recreation Commission in cities all across the country. Yeah. That's why, to be honest, there are so many African-Americans playing professional and college basketball is that those kids... It's not that there's a difference between white people and black people and athleticism and tell. That's just a bunch of BS. People are people in this world. But black kids got the courts. They play the game. They love the game. There's yep. passion, and they get really good. And oftentimes in the inner cities, they don't have the park space to play baseball. You got or it. Or like that. You got yeah. it. So this is, Jerry, the counterpoint of that in Paris and it's where there is, if you picture the same kind of fenced-in rectangle, yeah. and at either end, in Paris, they've actually taken the end of the court, if you picture a full court in basketball, yeah. and they cut a hole in the fence and then pipe it in about the size of a soccer goal, yeah. although this is much smaller. And then they get these five-on-five pickup games going. Pickup games. So the move... In, 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 we call it soccer, they... 
you know, called football. Nip, and that's foot, why it's called Concrete Football, football. the, the yeah. documentary. Is. But when you watch, for example, uh, the World Cup. Which is going on right now. Right. And it's exciting to watch. But the guys oftentimes are sliding in to block a kicker. Right. Are they sliding Slide on the... On they're the, not. On they're the not. Concrete? No. What they're doing, what they're doing is they're... This isn't the intent. The intent is to have fun. But what they end up doing is developing incredible foot skills mm. because there isn't that kind of play of slide tackles, etc. There's just foot skills and speed and uh, kicking goals. So the scores are very high. The movie shows all these men and a few women from the World Cup level who play in countries all over the world who are interviewed saying i played on this court and they're right next to the projects you can see it from the videography you can see this is like urban and i know in cincinnati cincinnati and we're right across from cincinnati in ludlow kentucky cincinnati just got a major league soccer franchise and so did nashville yeah and there are cities around the country and this is building in america yeah And so my son and I have been kicking around this idea of maybe getting one of these courts in an inner city and maybe at Cincinnati, because that's where I am. And we put this in, and actually the one change we're thinking is we would have it be turf, not not, uh, grass, because you have to maintain that, but turf, rubber underneath and this AstroTurf on top, and see if we could get urban american kids to catch an interest in this game soccer in america is largely a suburban sport that's your grandson plays this game yeah richard plays soccer yeah your great jerry's grandson and my grandson michael plays he's really good and and uh it so it's a game that is largely though played by suburban kids largely played by caucasian suburban kids nothing wrong with that that's a good idea. So what are you asking me? Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> no. No, and I'm how, not, how I'm not, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. Because actually, to be honest, uh, <laughs> since you mentioned that, the people who have to make this happen have to be people who have, that's why I brought up your passion for baseball. Yeah. My passion for basketball. You, we got to find, I have to find and will find some people who have strong passion for that yeah. game to do that. Now, the one thing, so it could come to be, and we'll talk about it if it does come to be down the line. The one thing that we can do together is this, and this is, I am asking you to do this, and then I want you to talk about North Korea, to be honest, something serious. I just did from Friday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a three-day 100-mile bike ride and camped out two nights out on the trail. That I do, because I know I have a passion for the outdoors and for cycling, and I know you do too, and for camping, as I do. (laughs) And I'm thinking, you love doing that. I love doing that. I go off and do it on my own. You go off in Sarasota and up in the Evanston area, and you're always out cycling and camping. Why the hell haven't we done that together and just hang out by a fire at night? So that I am asking you, let's plan a trip where we join our common interests and go out and have some fun. (laughs) Sometimes you don't need words, you know. That's got a big old F-U on it, isn't it, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. no, um, 
If there's a place, for example, that has cable television, uh-huh. uh, I don't mind driving there mm-hmm. and uh, spending a couple of hours. Cycling there? Cycling there? Oh, no. Driving there? No, cycling means you have to pedal. Right. No, I don't mind being driven. And uh, once there, we'll watch some television, go over good times, mm-hmm. and then get I'll a couple get cheeseburgers. The, and then get back in the car, and they'll drive me home. In the air-conditioned Bentley. I'm willing to do that. No, that's exercise. Yeah, we got to talk. But I admire what you do. I do admire your love of the outdoors, and you really do it. I remember when you used to write articles for a uh, Cincinnati publication here on urban backpacking. backpacking. And honestly, when you first told me about it, I didn't know what the heck you were talking about. Mm And uh, but that was really pretty cool. So, yeah, no, you're appreciate. Hey, by the way, Harvey, uh, just one last thing. Harvey Lewis. We had Harvey Lewis on a show about three weeks ago or so. Harvey Lewis is this runner and he's a marathoner. And now he's running the twenty one hundred mile Appalachian Trail. And we had him on. He was out on the trail running. Do you remember that? He was on a cell phone talking to us. So I just wanted to give an update on him. He is now 1,000 miles into the 2,100 miles. He's on day 22. He's averaging, he's trying to push his average up to about 50 miles a day. Can you imagine that out on a backpack trail? He's not carrying gear. He's running what's called a supported run. So he has people that are, it's his father with a van, and they're doing food for him, and they're they're doing stuff. I've been following this. They're bringing uh, doctors and massage therapists, and they'll he'll show up at a crossing of a road, and they'll have a massage table set up, and there'll be two and three medical people there helping him. He's, he's had Achilles heel problems. He's got a knee that's swelling up. Every injury they solve goes away, and another one pops up. It's pretty fascinating, and he's trying to set the world record for uh, running on the Appalachian Trail. The record is 45 days, 12 hours, and some minutes, and he's trying to beat that. Anyway, I just thought I'd give an update on Harvey Lewis. Yeah, his perseverance is amazing. Amazing. The purpose, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, fun against, because I'm telling you, you ought to do that sort of thing. I'll do it if you'll do it. Oh, there's nothing like a swelled-up knee. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Where can you sign up? Yeah. And by the way, if you want to follow Harvey, go to roadid.com. Roadid, which is a... ID you can wear that gives uh, medical information if you get hurt, jump by a bear, hit by a car, whatever. And that's a company called RoadID.com. Okay. Uh, Recently, our president, Donald Trump, met with in a big big summit, uh, Kim Jong-un, who is the dictator of North Korea. Right. What's your take on all that? Well... Let's, I'll start off, which will be one of the few times that I ever say something good about Trump. Um, The idea that he is, whatever his motivation was, and if he's doing it out of ego or whatever it is, the fact that he was talking with Kim Jong-un or starting talks is good because let's be honest, even those of us who really don't want him to be president, if President Obama had worked out that he could have talks with Kim Jong-un, we'd be cheering it. Step in the right direction. Words are far better than bullets. So I'm not going to be one to criticize that 
initial effort. So kudos for that. Good. But that's when it starts falling apart. There is irony in Trump constantly downplaying or complaining about or ripping on President Obama, particularly on Obama's reaching the nuclear deal with Iran. And, you know, we can't have that. We can't have that. And yet, at first blush, now clearly, obviously, Trump isn't as smart as Barack Obama. That's not going to happen. But whatever, what if only Trump could have done one-tenth of what Obama was able to do with the treaty, the nuclear treaty with Iran, if only 10% of that would have been done with Kim Jong-un, that would be an enormous success. Because the Iran deal at least was verifiable, at least resulted in the stopping of uh, nuclear development, uh, of certain weaponry, etc. So that was good, which is why all these other countries are still in the deal. And now you got Obama, excuse me, now you got Trump with Kim Jong-un saying, we're going to have this great nuclear deal, and I'm going to play tough, not like Obama, and we're not going to, you know, I want to help them economically, and we can be really good. We can have great hotels there. This was wonderful. Uh, and, uh, but we're going to make sure ahead of time that there's not, I'm not going to meet with him. I'm not going to give him that stature if, unless he totally does away with all his weapons, his nuclear weapons. And that has to be done ahead of time. Well, of course, Kim Jong-un played him because he's so much smarter than Trump and so much more knowledgeable on this issue. He's lived that issue his whole life. His family has lived that issue his whole life. So basically, on their first meeting, Trump gave away the store. What did Kim Jong-un give up? The word is nothing. He gave up nothing. He got exactly what he wanted. He wanted to be recognized on the world stage, not to be the pariah state anymore. And right away, not only was he there with the president of the United States, their flags next to each other, he also got to meet with China. He got to you know, meet with a South Korean president. And coming up, he'll be meeting with Putin. He is now a world figure. And Trump goes out of his way to say this guy is wonderful. He's He's honest, he's good for his people, forgetting that he's killed tens of thousands of his people. He's, it's the most tyrannical state on the planet Earth. If you, for example, if they find out that you have hooked up some kind of satellite TV that shows Western television or South Korean television, they will come and put your whole family in prison in a uh, hard labor camp. I mean, that's how tyrannical. They don't just kill people, but they put them in camps. I mean, it's concentration camps. And Trump is saying, what a wonderful guy this, you know, he is. And this uh, literally a day after he uh, insults the prime minister of Canada and the G7 and all our allies. So Kim Jong-un got everything he wanted. 
And what did he give up? Well, he made this statement, yes, we will work towards a denuclearized Korean peninsula. Think of what he just said. He didn't say he was going to get rid of all his nuclear weapons. He was saying he will work towards getting rid of all nuclear weapons in the Korean peninsula, which means no more weapons for South Korea, no more weapons for America. And Trump, in fact, even said he will cancel the joint exercises that the United States has every year with South Korea, which is vital to the protection of South Korea, vital to the protection of Japan. They count of us. They count on us. After the Second World War, we made a treaty with, a treaty with Japan. You don't have any military, okay? And in exchange for you not having any military, we guarantee your protection. And for 75 years now, we've been protecting Japan. Suddenly, he says, without consulting with South Korea, without consulting with Japan, not consulting with any of our allies, simply saying, we're not going to do the exercises. They're provocative, which is what North Korea already says. What? We've, and those joint exercises are vital because when you have a protection network where you have to have two separate countries, you have to have joint exercises. Otherwise, there's no chain of command. You don't know what one country's doing and the other country's doing. It, you, your defense falls apart. Now, what's behind all of this? Well, here's a theory, or at least a coincidence. This getting America out of Southeast Asia, and remember, pulling our military out of Southeast Asia, leaving, in effect, South Korea unarmed, Japan unprotected or less protection because we're pulling our you know, naval vessels out there, no joint exercises. We're basically not only turning Southeast Asia over to China, and now not just economically, but every way they will now control that part of the world. We're giving up, America being the protector of democracies around the world. But this is exactly what Putin wants. Why? We've said, I've talked a little bit about this in other podcasts. The history of Russia whether it was during the years of the czars or the years of communism, the history of Russia has always been to not be surrounded, to push out to find warm water ports, to push into Western Europe, to push out in the Baltics and to the South. That is what Russia's goal has always been. And the only thing which keeps Russia contained after the fall of communism, because remember, when, when after World War II, the Allied victors split up the world and the Soviet Union, which was a key factor in beating back Hitler, the Soviet Union got Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, etc. And the United States got, you know, to help Western Europe. But after the world was divided... Russia pushed out. That's what its protection was. But when communism fell, suddenly Poland and the Czech Republic and the fall of Yugoslavia and whatever, a lot of these countries started coming into NATO. So suddenly Russia is surrounded again. The buffer that Russia had is no longer there. So Putin 
picking up what Russia is in Russia's DNA. We want to get rid of those things that surround us, that stop us from expanding, which is what our what we have to do to exist economically as well as militarily. So what is the one thing keeping Russia surrounded? It's the United States, NATO, the G7, and the United States presence in Southeast Asia. That surrounds Russia. So Putin is doing everything, and Trump is helping him. I don't have the proof that they colluded yet. But even if they didn't have a meeting, he is doing everything Putin wants. And what is that? First, destabilize America, which is what's happening with the interference in the election, which is what's happening when Trump starts going again against American ideals. So the rest of the world sees America as no longer its symbol that everyone wants to follow. America is a bigoted country. America is bad for immigrants. America doesn't like Muslims. America will, in other words, it's no longer, wow, let's follow America. They're our savior. So now, number one, destabilize America. Number two, destabilize the whole Western alliance. And all of a sudden, Trump is fighting with Canada? Really? Canada? Is that the threat to the security of the United States? Canada has been with us every time America needs help. Whether it was 9-11 Uh, uh, Vietnam, whatever it was, um, Canadians died to help protect America. And now we're turning on Canada. Trump supports Brexit, break up Great Britain from the rest of Europe, insult all of the European leaders, break up NATO, break up the G7, say, hey, why don't we bring Russia into the G7 and make it the G8? Everything Putin wants, destroy. uh, destabilize America, destabilize the Western alliance, get America now out of Southeast Asia. Everyone's talking about, well, China, China. It's Russia that really wants the United States out. And the United States will provide, as it did during, excuse me, Russia will provide, as it did in the Korean War, even though it was the Chinese troops that came over the North Korean border and kept that war going for three more years until Stalin died. Even though it was China that did it, it was all funded by Stalin and the Soviet Union. So Russia has always wanted America out. And now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Trump says, we're going to stop having these military exercises with South Korea. We're pulling out. And, oh my gosh, this is Putin's dream. Everything that surrounds him right now is falling apart. That's a good one. All right, I'm going to ask Bennett Wales to come back up here. And as he's setting up, let me tell you that we had Bennett on a previous podcast, and we loved what he's doing. Asked him if he would come back. He's agreed. He's from Virginia Beach, Virginia. And by the way, if you want to hear his music, go to his uh, a band called The Relief. So it's Bennett Wales and The Relief, correct, Bennett? Yes, sir. And your website is uh, The Relief. 
music.com. That's correct. You got a YouTube channel as well? We do. Yeah, we're actually in the middle of doing a six-part video series right now. Nice. So once a month, we've been putting out a new track uh, from our album, which we released uh, last this past fall. All right, and your uh, current album is called? Flood Without Water. All right, and uh, very good, and uh, we love what he's doing, and uh, do a song for us, if you would. Yes, sir. The song's called uh, Clean. All right, and it wails.
So, by the way, Bennett, is the metaphor about long road to be being clean, is it like substance abuse or? Y- yes, sir. Yeah, I wrote that for a, a, a bunch of my friends that I grew up with that Wonder. unfortunately didn't, uh, didn't, couldn't beat it. Yeah. And uh, so that was kind of the inspiration. Wow. Yeah, good song, mm-hmm. good song. Thank and you. are we talking about heroin, by the way? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's horrible. Mm-hmm. Wow, good for you for uh, scribing something that deals with that issue, which is epidemic across the, uh, across the country, across the world, actually. By the way, Megan Hills usually introduces, does a number of things. Bonnie Williams, my, my lovely wife, uh, who just had a birthday. She's 47, as oh, I recall, wow. or well, 48, right. pardon me. Oh, my God. Well, no, what am I saying? Oh, my God, that's wonderful, 71. <laughs> it's not like that's bad. No, you're sleeping with the 71-year-old. Yeah, I am. I am. Well, yeah, I don't know about <laughs> I don't mind just sleeping. No, anyway, uh, what I, no, 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 no. That's just an old vaudeville joke. I mean, uh, it was just too easy. Uh, Megan Hills usually introduces the opening of the show, introduces Jerry, introduces the music, but yeah. Megan, who is a, a HR professional, a trainer, is up in the Northeast uh, doing some work, so that's why she's not here. Because there are people who uh, send lots of emails uh, about each of us, and Megan probably gets more than anybody. Hey, uh, Bennett, take us out, would you, on Down by the Riverside? Yes, sir. And uh, Jerry Springer will jump in on the second verse. Here we go, Bennett Wales. I'm going to lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside I'm going to lay down my heavy load listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. Gonna lay down my sword and shield Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Sword.